Welcome to the Johnny Hot Socks Show, hosted by Johnny Hot Socks, a podcast exploring the success stories of inspirational and influential people across industries. Now, here's your host, Johnny Hot Socks. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a great guest, Tim DeFrancesco, who serves as the head strength and conditioning coach for the LA Lakers. He worked with the likes of superstars Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash. Then using his skills, passion, and experience to help more people, leaving the LA Lakers after six years to dedicate his career to his business, TD Athletes Edge, a fitness training facility located in Salem, Massachusetts. DeFrancesco and his staff of coaches and nutritionists help many clients from pro athletes to the average person looking to get in better shape. Their maximum performance through training, recovery, and nutrition. Tim, so pumped to have you. Uh, this, this means a lot to me. And you're the first verified person on uh, Instagram that I have. Yes, he has the blue check mark, folks. Blue check not, mark! <laughs> not a big deal, but he's a big, big deal. So I just want to, you know, might as well just get right into it. So give us a little background about yourself and where you're from, uh, born and raised, a little background on that. Sure. Um, so where I'm from, born and raised, I grew up in, in a little town outside, um, in, in Vermont, right on the New Hampshire border. And, um, to give you context there, there's not a, there's not a traffic light in my town. Um, I graduated with 49 kids in my graduating class, seven through 12, grade seven through 12 in our school. We, in our high school, we had uh, 250 kids total. So there's, there's a little context to the, uh, the, the, the sticks that I grew up in and I'm proud of them. And, uh, it, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, uh, uh, rural, small town, um, childhood, uh, experience that I had. I, I loved every bit of it. My mom still lives in, in that town in the house I grew up in and, and, uh, go back there often. It's a, it's a beautiful place to grow up as a kid. You've got rivers, lakes, streams, mountains, skiing in the winter. You've got, you know, everything you could want at your uh, fingertips as a kid. It's pretty cool growing up. So um, that's where I grew up. Uh, I went to Endicott College undergrad. I went there for athletic training, uh, became a licensed athletic trainer after the four-year program there and went immediately to get my doctorate in physical therapy at UMass Lowell, Uh, knocked that out, and then took those two backgrounds to be to really understand the strength and conditioning uh, realm of things. Because here's how I looked at it: you have, you have. Um, I wanted to be able to impact all humans, and I believe all humans are athletes. So whether you are Kobe Bryant, who I work with, or you are me and you, who are just trying to, you know, live to talk about it, right? And um, yeah. all humans are athletes. So I wanted to be able to help everyone um, understand people from the high performance end of things from the rehab end of things. And I think a lot of times you get rehab that happens in a a PT clinic and it's in its own little silo or vacuum. And then you have, you have strength and conditioning or fitness or training over here. The two things don't often get connected very well. So my goal was to get backgrounds in, in those areas to be able to speak a fluent language that you just don't often see. And um, so I, I went to UMass Lowell, got my doctorate in physical therapy, uh, understood the, the rehab side of it. And then I went and took a cannonball into the strength and conditioning side of things. And ultimately, I put myself in a position where I, I, I took the job. It, um, it's a funny story. So my 
high school basketball coach calls me, and this is after I've graduated from UMass. Well, I've, I've got my doctorate in physical therapy. I've begun to get into strength and conditioning. And he goes, hey, I just took a job with the Bakersfield Jam in Bakersfield, California, as an assistant basketball coach. And I had just started the first uh, sort of iteration of TD Athletes Edge. My brother and I started it back in 2007 with, with um, a third partner. And, um, and we, you know, so I was working as a full-time physical therapist, 45, 50 hours a week. And I was working, you know, 20 to, to 30 extra hours on um, training people on the side and just, just crank it. We were, we were training people out of the back of a batting cage that I would rent by the hour. You'd have to, you'd have to like dodge baseballs coming through the blue tarps and stuff. And uh, if you, if you were working out. So I used to tell my clients, like it's extra agility training. You got to be ready to <laughs> dodge, dodge those balls coming at you. But uh, so we were doing that, just hustling, man. I mean, my brother was an athletic trainer in the Yankees farm system. I then took the job in uh, Bakersfield. So he and I would switch seasons so so my, my high school coach calls and I, I go he goes hey you you or scott like one of you guys um, he's like i'm thinking maybe scott but you know because he thought oh me with a full-time physical therapy job making 90k a year i'm not going to walk away from that so he yeah. was really calling me to be like hey maybe scott could do this job out here in bakersfield we're looking for an athletic trainer and a strength coach does scott want to do it my brother and i go well i talked to him he doesn't want to do it because he can't because the baseball season extends too long. He couldn't get out there for your preseason. I go, but I'm going to, I'll do it. And he, and, and he goes, okay, let's go. And I walked away from 90 K a year guaranteed PT. And I left that job for 15, maybe 18 K. I think they might've paid me um, in Bakersfield. And I said, you know what? I mean, this is what I always tell people now who ask me, like, how do you get, you know, something, everybody always asks, how do you get a job with, where I got to as the head strength coach of the Lakers, you're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to make sacrifices and you've got to be enjoyable to be around every step of the way. Cause if you're not going to take risks, if you're not going to make sacrifices and you're not going to, if you're, if you can't be enjoyable to be around, how are you going to get to a certain, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not rocket science, but you have to do those things. So I said, I took the job in Bakersfield. I was a head strength coach, athletic trainer for them um, out in Bakersfield, California. All that's out there in Bakersfield is farm and oil. That's all that's out there. It's the armpit Oregon of California. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I go out there um, and, you know, it was, it was, uh, it's crazy because in minor league sports, you are as the athletic trainer or as in any role that you are in, in my role, my, my primary role on paper was to be the head athletic trainer, but minor league sports, you wear a hundred hats. I don't care if you're the GM, the owner of the team, if you're the, the, you know, the, the athletic trainer, you're, you're doing a lot more than just that one thing. So I always, you know, I, I look at, I looked at it and, you know, was, was happy to kind of learn these things um, I was packing the, I was packing the bags. I was the travel coordinator. I was driving the, the bus. I was, I was, you know, I was doing laundry. I was, oh yeah, by the way, I was doing athletic training and then, uh, and then strength and conditioning <laughs> and, you know, doing, doing it all. And I, my first road trip I ever in Bakersfield, uh, I had literally had to pack all the team's equipment and drive the vans from Bakersfield, California to LAX and get us to the first you know, our first flight to, to make it to Albuquerque, New Mexico for our first road game. So I'm thinking I've never driven from Bakersfield to, to, to LA. It's like a two hour drive. 
And so we got to be there on time. It's a, it's commercial flights. Yeah. So if we, if we get there late and we've, we're checking in 15, 20 people, these guys are not always, you know, these, these players are not always thinking like, let me make sure I'm, I'm there two hours yeah. early and I've got all my ducks in a row. So I got to get us there. I'm driving, driving, driving. I'm making sure we're making good time. All of a sudden a cop pulls up behind me. I got a whole van full of half the team and our other van behind me cop pulls us over. And uh, he goes, and he goes, what's the big rush? I go, I'm trying to get these guys to our first road game and uh, uh, got to get to LAX. He goes, all right, well, uh, here's your ticket. And who's the guy behind you? Because the, the guy behind me, our assistant coach is driving the van behind me. He, he pulls over, wait for me to get the ticket. Yeah. The guy goes, who's the guy behind you? He goes, that's my assistant coach. Our assistant coach, he's got the rest of the team in the car. He goes, okay, walks back and gives him a ticket too. And uh, oh my so my first, road, my first road trip's not off to a good start. start. But, uh, you know, we, uh, it, it was it was a heck of a uh, an experience, crazy challenge to kind of keep up with all that stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, I was doing laundry. I can remember one road game. I had to do the laundry for the road team. When you're the home team, the athletic trainer for the the home team does the laundry for the road team. And uh, I fell asleep, and it was all it, it, like I fell asleep before I had hit it all in the. Uh, it, it was all in the dryer and and you know if you leave stuff in the dryer even after it's dried if you don't get it out there and start folding it that stuff gets you know those wrinkles in there i mean yeah. not you because i see how crispy you keep it all but like <laughs> i'm just saying if you don't then i fell asleep the dryer ends two hours later i wake up my like, god oh, their stuff looked like their all the whole team's uniforms looked like they had been in the bottom of a dumpster for like six months and they're all the whole next game everybody's like what happened to their uniforms they're walking around with like wrinkles everywhere you know cats faces and everything and uh oh my god it was i i was i was like yeah i i, I did the laundry but uh <laughs> needless to say they didn't tip me on that one yeah. um so anyways i did my i tell people i did my time i did i did two years time in in bakersfield and um it, you know I, I really wasn't looking for making it to the pro level. I, people always say, yeah, right. I really wasn't. I, I've always had the vision of TD Athletes Edge and what we're doing now as my main, that's my deal. Like that's my thing. And that's all that I'm ever going to be focused on in my life. And, you know, I wanted to take the Bakersfield job because I thought it would be great experience. I thought it would be very helpful for me to then open up a facility like TD Athletes Edge to at least be able to say, hey, I've worked with minor league level uh, athletes and it's it's a marketing um, yeah. credibility thing and that kind of thing and then I was going to sort of do two three years of that and kind of just shift focus all into TD Athletes Edge so in my second and into my third year with with Bakersfield the the Lakers became our affiliate in terms of the team that we were affiliated with and um, they sent a couple of players down their head athletic trainer Gary Vitti gets wind that the guy in Bakersfield you know putting them through stuff when they sent players down is doctor of physical therapy he's an athletic trainer he has you know this understanding of both pt and strength and conditioning and rehab all that stuff and he calls me and he's like hey i like i like the background a lot our guys love what they're doing with you i've got an opening as a head strength coach position i've been looking for somebody that has a background in physical therapy who's not just a meathead looking to put, have my guys push a bunch of heavy weight and get them hurt in the weight room so i said i mean that's me. And he, he said, I know. So you want the job. And, uh, you know, when the Lakers say that you say, yes, yes. Yeah, please. I'll, I'll be right and, there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that 
then all of a sudden I'm moving from Bakersfield, California, farm, farm country, oil country to Manhattan Beach, California on the water. Uh, we had a tiny little shoebox of an apartment, but we could literally see the water from our spot. Manhattan Beach is a beautiful scene if you've ever seen it. But uh, all of a sudden we're sitting there, my current, my wife now, we weren't married quite yet at that point, but um, it wasn't, needless to say, it was not hard to convince her to go from Bakersfield to uh, Manhattan <laughs> Beach. And uh, yeah, I spent the next six, six seasons with the, as, as uh, I think the takeaway there too, before I go on is, yep. you know, I was in the right place at the right time. I was doing the right things the right way. So I don't really like the whole idea of like, yeah, I got lucky. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, good, good fortune comes into it, but you have to be in a position to yeah. take advantage of good fortune when it comes. So, and I think the harder you work, the more opportunities for good luck to, to happen happens for you. And so, um, like I said, that, that goes back to just something as simple as, are you enjoyable to be around? Cause if I'm out there in Bakersfield, California, and I'm acting like a dickhead and I'm, you know, yeah. they're going to, that word's going to get out all of a sudden, you know, that stuff, that stuff follows you. And so nobody's going to give me a call and say, we want you to be the Lakers gig guy, strength coach. If, you know, we heard, they also heard that he's kind of a, you know, a, a jack off, you know? And so, you know, it's, uh, so I think, you know, I, I spent the next six seasons with the Lakers. Uh, obviously the first four years were Kobe's last four years. Um, and, you know, really, I knew it was special at the time, but now, you know, with, with his un, unfortunate yeah. and, and devastating passing, it, it just highlights even more how, you know, I really look back at that as, as very, very, um, you know, something that just, I, I was really lucky to be a part of being around him. Um, and I'll always look back at those times as, as things that I cherished. And, and a lot of our guys, I mean, you know, Kobe was one of a kind, but, you know, guys like Steve Nash, um, Meta World Peace. I mean, so those guys, there's just, I've got a couple of guys that are not the big name guys, Ryan Kelly and, yeah. and Robert Sacre, who, you know, those guys are friends for life. And, and uh, we, we hung out a lot on the road and, and um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how A to Z that, that all happened. I'll, I'll, uh, what, 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 uh, I'll hand it back over to you. Where, 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 yeah, where so can like, we go next? You, you came there in 2011. So that's right after the back-to-back -back championships. Like that must yeah. have been like, so, I mean, you go into an organization and this is where like, this is the Lakers. I mean, I, I understand like you were in, in the minor leagues and that's, I guess it's like easier to be around that, but like uh, around a Kobe, I'd be like, uh, Hey, <laughs> what's up? So it must've been like, obviously a huge thing for you. Like, Hey, I made it. I mean, like, I feel like you went through the turmoil. You, you did your, I mean, you took pay cuts. You took an opportunity of like, you weren't even thinking this and then, you know, right place, right time. But you put a lot of time in to get there. Most people will not do what you did. hundred percent. Yeah. No one's gonna take yeah. a massive pay cut to say, Hey, let me do this. Yeah. No one, nine, nine, 99 out of 100. And that 100th person. On, on paper, on paper, uh, that was the dumbest move you could make. I mean, I, I literally had 90K. That would have been, if I kept at that PT job, I'd be making 125 in a, in a year or two. And, and uh, I'm like, no, I'll take, I'll, I'll take 15K. You know, let, me see, <laughs> let, me see, let me see what happens. You know, but, but the thing is, I always look at that as, I, I think I've always had, I don't, somebody asked me this when I left the Lakers, and I can get into that too, but what's what's your like so you know what's the game plan with what if td athletes edge doesn't work and i don't ever that doesn't that thought doesn't cross my mind like it's not an option 
And I, like, what's your plan B? I like, I don't have a plan B. <laughs> you know what happens when you have a plan B and C and D you, you relax because, Oh, yeah. it's okay. If plan A doesn't work out. Cause I got plan B, C, D and it'll be okay. But I, I didn't let myself put those other plans in place because I don't relax. I, that doesn't, and I don't want to be, you know, I want to, I want to be, you know, have that sense of urgency all time, all the time. I see. No, but I see. you know, to your, to your point, I mean, yeah, when I, when I met Kobe, the first time I had been in the facility for the day before, he wasn't in that day. The next day, my second day on the job, he comes in, you know, flies his helicopter, you know, lands it, gets, you know, comes into the facility. And uh, I'm like, all right. So I wanted to be, when I saw him come in, I was like, I wanted to be the one that goes up to him. And so um, I, I start walking toward him and I'm like, you know, got my hand out trying to be proper and everything. Like, Hey man, my name is Tim DeFrancesco, new strength coach. And I couldn't even finish like that part of it. He goes, man, I know who you are. Get the fuck out of here. He slaps my hand away to shake my hand and he gives me a big hug. He's like, we got fucking work to do. Let's stop with the uh, pleasantries. And uh, that's you know, awesome. And, and so, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Was, wow. I always, I always remember that. I always remember that. Jeez. So, you know, I mean, I guess what was it like just being around them? I, I feel like, I mean, I'm assuming you've seen Kobe in practices and just like just the mentality alone and, I know Steve Nash and Dwight came a couple of seasons in, like, but what was just, what was Kobe like? Like what was. Um, I mean, the best way to, to describe, to describe Kobe, he was laser focused almost all the time. There's a couple instances I remember really clearly where, you know, he, he, he kind of pulled down the shield a little bit and sort of really showed his humanness. And, um, but, you know, just laser focused all the time um he's always plotting he's always thinking he's always you know uh, really sort of trying to stay ahead of one step ahead of everybody around him uh try to think about what he needs to do to bring his teammates up a level what he needs to do to out um you know think and out prepare his opponent like constantly i mean look i went on family vacations with him his family you know all that stuff i've been you know when he made the all-star game his last the last all-star second to last all-star game he made he he brought me with him because he, he was you know dealing with some injury stuff he wanted to be able to continue to rehab through that um you know and there's moments in those instances where i get to see him as a uh, a person and i get to see him got to see him as a dad um and that kind of stuff which he he had it but you know for the most part he's just he's he was an extremely um focused and and as driven of a person as you'll ever find um and and that's the thing i don't know i don't know a couple nights ago tnt broadcast and and barkley is on air and he's pointing out he's like yeah anthony davis should be top player in the world right now with his physical gifts and skill sets like why is he not that guy yet and he just was like look i mean i played against mj i played against kobe uh, you know, for a bit, they, 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 he overlapped with Kobe a little bit. And he's like, he's just not a killer. Like MJ and Kobe, they'll take killer. your heart out of your chest if they have to, to win the game. And if they have to win, if that is in game seven of the finals, or if that's in the seventh and final drill of a practice, they'll do it to their own teammate. If they're against their teammate on uh, the, op the opposing practice teams. So like, you know, they're just are. There's like certain people and you call it, you call it whatever you want. Killer. Uh, you got that cold blooded. You're, you've got that eye of the tiger. I've heard people call it like linebacker eyes. I mean, like, 
you know, it's just some people have it. And it's not – you don't see it very often. Kobe had it. Um, I got pretty used to figuring out when he was sort of starting to let his guard down and, and when I could talk to him about just, you know, just shoot the shit. Otherwise, it was, you know, he's there to do business. He's, he's there to do business. He's there to get shit done. He's not there to chit-chat. He's not there to fool around and make jokes and all this other stuff. He's there to get shit done. One time we – lost in Memphis. We, we lost a game in Memphis. So we got to get on a plane. Guys get showered after the game. It's like, you know, game ends at say 10 o'clock showers, food in the locker room. You get out of the locker room by 11 o'clock, you go to the airplane, you got to fly to Chicago because we're playing a back, a back to back Memphis to Chicago. So we're on the air We're you know, we get to Chicago, you know, maybe we land at like, you know, 2 AM and then we got to drive from the airport to the, uh, the hotel, we support staff like me, other sports medicine staff people and, and other support staff have to check everybody's bags, send them up to the, to the hotel rooms. It's four o'clock. So four o'clock in the morning, we play that day. Now we play Chicago that day. So it's 4 a.m. We're going to get a couple hours of sleep. We're going to wake up, do a team meeting in the ballroom, walk through stuff at, at 11 o'clock. And then, you know, at 7 p.m. that night, we're playing. So, you know, I get to my room, drop my bags, go brush my teeth. And I'm like, all right, let me crash here for a little bit before I got to wake up and start working out rookies in the, in the weight room and stuff like that. And I get text. It's from Kobe. He goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I, of course I didn't say that back to him. I was like, um, in my room. And, uh, he goes, all right, meet me downstairs. I want to get a lift in. And uh, he he had he had not played great, and we had played as a team horribly. So he's like, I gotta I gotta I gotta figure out a way we can we can turn this ship around. And he's like, all I know I can control is I can do better. I can go get stronger. I can make I can because he he also looked at it this way. Guaranteed, he's already feeling just a million times more confident going onto that court in Chicago to to go against his opponent because his opponent for sure was not lifting at 4 a.m. that morning. So he already says like, look, I already got you beat. I already got you beat before we even started on this court. That's how he did it. Like he always played those games within his own mind is like, what's, what is, you know, me, what can I do that I know my opponent won't be doing so that when I look across at that person, I already know I, I did more than that. And then he just pumps his own ego up. He pumps his own confidence up just by doing those little things. And so, you know, I go downstairs and I'm coming to the lobby of the hotel and I'm hearing like live piano music like Mozart, like I'm talking like classical piano. And I'm like, why would somebody at the hotel, why would the hotel have hired somebody to be playing at this time of day? And I'm like, I come around the corner, it's Kobe playing on, on the piano. And he's like, yeah, I was waiting for you. Are you ready? And so we go knock out a lift and then, you know, it is, it's, it's crazy. But um, yeah, I, it would definitely, I definitely also had to get to a point where I was no longer a fan, like quick. Yeah. You know, you can't be in there and be a fanboy. You can't, you, you, they're going to laugh you out of the building. They're going to say, this, this dude's just fooling around. They're not taking their job seriously. That for me was a job. That was it. It wasn't for me to be, you know, front row to, to something that was for most of my life. I was a huge NBA fan. And so I did have to make a, a very quick and hard switch from like, yeah, this is just my job. I can see that at a certain point. Like, yeah, it to, to me, like the first whatever week or so, it's like, all right, well, these are amazing people. I'm around a championship contending team. But then it's like, all right, like it's just Kobe. But I mean, to a certain extent, after a while, it's like, all right, these are just the players that I'm working with. That's it. Like, For sure. 
Um, so what, I mean, I guess another thing is like the opportunity cost. Like you were on the road a lot, and like you know holidays, like not really seeing your family as much. So there, there is like, yeah, it's cool. Hey, I was you know L.A. Lakers. I know it's a, a big name, but then at the other point of it, yeah, you're making more money. But on the flip, it's like your holidays, you're with the team. Christmas not going to happen. I'm, I'm with the team. And like, so what was that like on the road? And like, how did that even work? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, I'm trying to think. So, I was, yeah, so iPhones were just kind of coming about. So FaceTime is yeah. obviously newer now, but like that must've been really, really hard though. You know, it's a, it's, you're chasing a dream and it's also on the flip. It's like, you know, it, it's hard on the relationship. It's hard on like just life yeah. and all that. No, it, you're right. And I, I think, so I look at it for me personally, like my personality, I grew up in a family where, it, you know, my, my grandfather had a dairy farm and those are, you know, if you, if you ever look at the life that, that a dairy farmer lives, there's not a weekend. There is not the, you know, you don't get two weeks paid vacation. You don't get that. Like the farm will die if you stop. And so it's normal. It was normal for me in some ways as a, as a younger kid, I didn't know that people did anything different than that. And, and because I just knew that, and it's like every day is a Monday, you, you got to milk the cows, you got to get the hay in the barn and you got to wake up and do it again tomorrow. And, and there's not, you don't get to say, okay, on Sunday, I'm going to chill, like, you know? And, and so that piece, I think my parents as well also kind of had the work ethic where, you know, my mom was a full-time Special, special educator, teacher um, in, in high school, in a, in a local high school, and actually the high school that I went to. And then, um, you know, my dad was a chef at Dunder College, but I think, you know, my mom also ran a catering business all, go, all growing up. So both of those were realistically full-time jobs. And, you know, somehow she, you know, knocked it out and, and just didn't, you know, didn't ever miss a beat. And my dad, you know, helped along the way with all that. And um, so like my dad worked full time as a, as a chef at Dartmouth college, but on the weekends, he, he was my mom's right hand man in, in the catering business. So it wasn't like he got weekends off. Nope. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that all for me kind of made it easier to be like, yeah, every day is a Monday. I just, what we used to say in the NBA is every day is a Monday. It's either a game day or not. And so it's even in the off season, off season for me was even busier because you're either flying to different players, towns where they spend some of their off season to help them work out from and check in with them or you're pre you're preparing for the draft which you know as a strength coach you're you're testing over a hundred potential draftees in a, in a two-month period before going up to the draft and it's it's yeah, actually in some ways more exhausting in the off season so i think you know i can remember having thanksgiving in albuquerque new mexico on that on that first road trip i was talking about before in, in bakersfield california and at you know it's like we're having turkey flavored uh, turkey enchiladas by the at the at the uh, you know um, I don't know the uh, whatever hotel we were staying at we weren't certainly staying in the four seasons when we were in the in the in the minor leagues but uh, um, you know it's like we're in Baker's I'm in Albuquerque New Mexico I'm having Thanksgiving with a bunch of you know guys on the team the the craziest story though from a uh, from a, and that was also from the minor league situation. You know, we had to fly into Portland, Maine from Bakersfield. And, and that was cool for me because I was going home to New England and I had a lot of family coming in. But we were flying in on Christmas Eve. And so we're flying in on Christmas Eve to Portland, Maine. We're going to play the Portland uh, Red Claws, the, the Celtics D-League team, G-League team. And uh, 
we get in and nobody really thought to think like, what are we going to, it's Christmas Eve. All, all the restaurants, everything at the hotel we're staying at is not open for food. So we get in, we had delayed in our layover and we get in later than we thought all the restaurants are closed. And so we're like, all right, we had Christmas Eve dinner at a seven 11 in Portland, Maine. We had 15, uh, seven, like, six foot eight to seven foot dudes in the, in the Seven Eleven, getting in line, get grabbing frozen bean burritos from the, 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 uh, the, fr- the freezer case and standing in line using the microwave at the Seven Eleven. you know, five burritos at a time, they'd get, they'd get five burritos, heat them up. And then the next guy will put his five in and get out of the way. Like that just, you just sort of either, either you are willing to, as I call it, eat those, eat those certain shit sandwiches or you're not. I mean, a lot of the reason why I stuck is because I was re- willing to eat more shit sandwiches and be enjoyable to be around during while, while eating shit sandwiches, because there's a lot of them. And, and so, you know, with the Lakers, you play on Christmas Day. The Lakers play on Christmas Day every year. So, you know, Christmas Day, we, my, my routine for six years was wake up, do stockings with my now wife and go to, go to work. And, and, you know, you'd be playing the Cavs or somebody like that with LeBron and, um, but you'd be at work, you're doing your job. And, um, you know, sometimes if you think about it, the visiting team had to then travel, they're away, they're waking up in a hotel room. I mean, the, 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 the smaller holidays, I woke up in a lot of hotel rooms on Thanksgiving and on, you know, other, you know, just happened to be with the Lakers. So we, we got a home game at least on, on Christmas, but, yeah, I mean, I think also me personally, maybe it's because of that background or because I got desensitized to not being, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, like, holiday, like, I, I don't get me wrong, I'm, a, I, I'm about being around family and that kind of thing, and we find ways to do that within my family at different times of the year, but it doesn't maybe phase me as much, it's, it's, um, I always feel like, let, why, why are we making a big deal about this. We should be finding times throughout the year, regardless of what day of the year it is, not just using these times as, Oh, this is the time that we finally do get together with so-and-so, you know? And so I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't get too caught up in, in that stuff. And maybe it's because I, I spent a lot of time in, in minor league sports and pro sports where you, you can't get, you know, worried about if you're with your family on those days. Work. No, yeah, I get you. This is work. This is business. And, um, and I feel like you knew ultimately like, you, you have long-term goals. Like, all right, like I got this now let's keep, you know, digging, digging, digging. And then in the future, it's like, this will help me in the future. So it's like, just keep yes. mentality, keep going. Um, no doubt. We didn't even talk about uh, Phil Jackson. So, I mean, like, well, I guess. I well, so here's the thing. I yeah. didn't get, I didn't ever get to meet Phil. When I came in, he had just been out. I, so we got, my first coach was Mike Brown. So oh, I had Mike Brown. Yeah, you're right. Mike Brown got fired. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Bickerstaff took over for like ten games. We hired Mike D'Antoni. The next year, Mike D'Antoni's out. We hired. Uh, we hired. Um, oh man, we hired uh, uh, Byron Scott. So Byron Scott in my fourth year is my fourth coach, and then Luke Walton, who I had as a player, his first year becomes the coach my last year. So I have five coaches in six years. Uh, but I didn't have, I didn't have PJ, but, um, uh, we almost did because when Mike Brown got fired, I mean, sorry, when Mike D'Antoni got fired, word on the street was, and what happened was, is like the, the ownership with the Lakers, the bus family, the, the son, Jimmy bus and the daughter, Jeannie bus 
did not always see eye to eye. So, you know, Junie Bus had the relationship with, with Phil. And when Mike D'Antoni got fired, she wanted to bring Phil back again. Not That would be the third time they actually brought him back if they had done that. And I guess at midnight, like something happened, you, you know, where Jeannie and Jimmy, Jimmy pulled, you know, a stunt and, you know, he's the one that got Byron in there instead. And it could have, it could have easily been, but I didn't actually have uh, PJ. So you, you were close though. Very, very close. Okay. Oh, they close, won two championships man. then. Oh, yeah. 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 And that, after know. watching the last dance, I got to like know more about man. like him and just, Ooh, that was crazy. Amazing. Was crazy. There, there's uh my last year, I mean, Kobe's last year, um, he had a, not a lot of people don't even know this, but he had a film crew with him that whole year. And 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 stay tuned. There's gonna there's gonna be a, a Kobe style last. You're gonna year. be honest. Let's be realistic. Man. Let's Man. go. <laughs> Man, that's gonna be cool. I, no, that has to be. I know. I know they've talked about it on the ESPN a little bit, but nothing really aggressive yeah. on it. But I, I'm assuming like the last dance type thing, like with um, right, MJ. Oh yeah, my God, it's gonna be crazy. Amazing. So then, like, yeah. who who do you think like the most impactful person to you was on the Lakers organization? You know what? It's a, it's um, both Gary, Gary Vitti, the head athletic trainer. He was there for 28 years. Uh, he, he, 32 years. He went to, he went to 12 NBA finals. He has eight rings. Um, he came in basically the year magic came in and then he won, he won with magic. He won with Kobe. He won everywhere, you know, all the, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, he, he was, basically the person that put me in a position he saw something in me and saw what he wanted from a credibility and a background standpoint but then you know I think he was willing to take a chance on me I was a kid from you know Salem Massachusetts working in Salem Massachusetts at a, at a PT clinic running his you know strength and conditioning facility on the side out of a batting cage I mean I went like you know what, what's you know so he saw something in me gave me a shot you know, he, he um, is interesting because for so many years of his career, he was just a one-man band. You know, it didn't used to be you have these sports medicine staffs of, you know, 10 sports medicine professionals. You got a physical therapist, you got a massage therapist, you got a chiro, you got a strength coach, you got two strength coaches, you've got, you know, athletic trainers, you've got now 10, 12 sports medicine professionals on a, on a staff. Used to be you have a head athletic trainer. He tapes the ankles. He 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 books the flights, and you know he does everything in between, like Drives I did the in, in the minor leagues, exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, he had to take care of everything. I mean, some of the stories are unbelievable. The the literally the Showtime picture this. It wasn't until Detroit Pistons bought their own airplane for the team. Those team in like nineteen somewhere in in the late eighties. Right, right as they were becoming the bad boys, their ownership ponied up, and they and they and they bought them. You know, they bought the team a, a, a private you know plane, and 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 um, all the teams before that, up into the late '80s, those teams used to travel to games on commercial flights. You could be getting on a flight in Boston, you know, the night after, the day after a game, and 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 you know the the Milwaukee Bucks could be getting on the plane with you. You know, and, and uh, you, you think about, it, like, these seven-footers, they got to squeeze into those spots. Like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is getting on. He's got his newspaper. You're walking to your seat in the back. 
you know, Kareem sitting there reading his newspaper in, in, in first class. Like, but some of those stories are crazy. He, he, uh, he gave me a shot and, um, uh, you know, I think, so Gary had a huge impact for me, but what I was getting at there is he suddenly, he had to run the show by himself and then he had to learn how to make the show run with a team of people around him. And, and, and that, that's can be a hard transition. If you spend 25 years of your, your 32 years of, of doing a profession, just doing it all by yourself. And then you have to learn how to do it with other people on your staff. It, it could be really hard, but he did a great job and he impacted me greatly. And Mitch Kupchak is the other guy that I just learned so much about how to be um, calm under fire, cool as a cucumber and in, in a very magnified and, and, and heat lamp type situation. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pro's pro and a, and a, a, a unbelievable person. And um, yeah, I, I chatted with Mitch the other day. I chatted with, with Gary a couple weeks back. I, I still talk to those guys, but you know, I think they were around it so long at the height of such success and to see kind of the way people handle themselves at that level was a really great learning experience for me. And so what, I guess what's your biggest takeaway from, I, I say the Lakers in general, like what would you learn the most? I feel like that was the biggest pivotal portion of you. Uh, pick, pick, like you can't do it all. You got to pick your battles. You got to pick a lane in life. You got to pick, you know, you can't just, if, if you, if you want to just do a little bit of everything all the time, you're never going to be at the highest level. You can't do a little bit of everything all at the highest level. So for me, it was when I first got to the Lakers trying to having to understand, I have a background in physical therapy. I have a background in athletic training. I have a background in strength and conditioning. I could have been any one of those things, but I had to be the strength coach. That was my job. And so we had a physical therapist. We didn't need somebody doing PT like stuff. You know, they had that. They needed me doing strength coach type stuff and, and being able to do it at a really high level. You know, so I think that, um, look, I mean, I think the other part is, being able to, I came in just guns blazing, young professional trying to make my mark and do, do everything and, and impress people and all this stuff is, you know, something like we didn't have a nutritionist, but I took that on and I have a, you know, understanding of good, you know, nutrition. And I also have a, a certification as a precision nutrition certified nutritionist and so uh, nutrition coach. And so you know, I, I technically, again, had that ability to do that, but it, I found that me trying to tackle um, taking on the nutrition coaching for our team at the same time as me doing everything else and trying to do be really good at the thing that I was really there for, which was strength and conditioning, it watered me down. You know, I, I like if I spent three hours on nutrition stuff for that week, that was three hours I didn't spend on what we need to be doing in the weight room. And, and um, so I, I think it's hard for people because you want to do everything you want to, you know, you believe in yourself and you, you think you can do a little bit of everything and um, just being able to say no to stuff and, and say, Hey, I, I've got to, you know, focus on this one thing that I'm here to be really good at. I, I, I wish I could help with that, but I can't. I totally agree. So 2017, you left the Lakers. What, what was your mindset at the time? Because this is a big, big move on your part and I, you're leaving. Yeah consistently leaving a team a salary like this is a huge move but what's going right. through your mind and what i mean i obviously know the goal for you but like what what made you really after six years like hey this is the time to do it right so i think you know for me the 
I always, by year two or three, I knew I was, you kind of, everybody who's in the pro level of, of sports there has to make a decision at some point and say, do I want to try to be a lifer in this? If I am lucky enough to have that opportunity, sometimes it's not your choice. You get five. I mean, a lot of turnover in those positions, but you know, if it's your choice, you, you make a decision. Am I going to be a try to be a lifer at this or not? And I, I, just decided at that point, it wasn't important enough for me to make sure that for my whole life, I'm wearing the Lakers polo shirt and have their, their logo on my chest. I had a bigger uh, vision in my head with TD Athletes Edge. And so I, I began to figure out how I was going to sort of get the most out of that experience and when the timing was going to be right for me to, to have uh, sort of taken the most from that experience. And I think it was, you know, in my head, I always said by year two or three, I said, I'm going to try to do this for ten, six to 10 years. And so by year six, we had the management shift of, you know, Mitch Kupchak was out. Jeannie Buss had, had ousted her brother. He, he was, he was Mitch's, Mitch was his guy, you know, um, and, and uh, Gary, my boss that hired me was, had been, had been retired by that point, uh, you know, and, so the people that really brought me in and that were, were there were really behind me to begin grow, continue to grow my role and, and were, were, were helping me to do that. We're gone. And all of a sudden magic Johnson comes in. He doesn't know me from Adam and um, Rob Polenka comes in. He kind of knew of me because, you know, he's Co he was Kobe's agent and I, I spent some time in, you know, off seasons with Kobe and Rob would be around and stuff. But, you know, I think it just, their vision, Rob and Magic had a different vision of what they wanted from the person in my position than what I thought it should be. And also then the six years that I had just put in sort of building it up to be a certain way. And honestly, I said two things. I was like, all right, I can just suck it up and do exactly what they want because they're offering me a position, but they, you know, along the line, along with the caveat that I do it their way. Or I can say, you know what? I got six years under my belt. I don't want to force it. I don't want to do some things that a person, another person's way that, that I don't agree with after I just spent six years building a foundation to do it another way and, you know, save them and me the headache of trying to force the relationship. I also knew that the other thing that went into that equation is I think a big thing and not everybody has a huge vision for something like TD Athletes Edge the way I do. So if I had not had that, I probably would have said, yeah, whatever, I'll suck it up. I'll do it Rob and Magic's way because I don't have another, I don't have something else that's driving me. And because I have that, because I will never, you know, that flame will never die for me. It was an easy, or it was easier to say, it was a hard decision, but it was easier for me because of those things. And it was the right decision. I mean, I would have been unhappy. I would have been doing something somebody else's way, not doing it the way I thought it should be done and that kind of thing. And, you know, I think for that, um, you know, it's definitely hard to walk away. You know, we, we, Hey, I mean, TV out the judge now. I, I mean, I'm on at this point, I'm on the phone with, with a guy that, you know, fairly well, Matt, Matthew Ibrahim, you know, Maddie ice and I were, we were doing some like collaboration uh, blog posts and stuff. He had reached out. He's a great networker. And uh, you know, we were getting to know each other a little bit. I said, Hey man, look, it looks like my time with the Lakers coming to an end. If I come back, we literally have nothing except for a vision of TV Athletes Edge. You know, is this something you want to be a part of? 
you know, he's like, yeah, let's figure it out. I mean, I, I think so. I, we should probably talk more about it, but I mean, he's down for, <laughs> he, he's, he was down for the dance. And, let's break some and, bread uh, first. Let's... Exactly. And we did. <laughs> but, uh, exactly, man. But, uh, wow. you know, and so that's where it was like, I never worried about that though. I mean, I came one time going backwards. I w- was leaving Bakersfield one uh, after one of my seasons there and, you know, TDFZ didn't really exist. And I said, you know, to the, the other person that I founded TDFZ with Jed and, and uh, Jed, and I'm driving back, I'm somewhere in the middle of Colorado. I'm driving back from, from Bakersfield, California. I'm like, I mean, we got to just start it. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to Salem and I'll figure out a place where we can train people. And then once we get that, we'll get people in the door. And we, if we get one person, we can get two people. If we get two people, why can't we get three? If we get three, let's go, you know? And, and so, um, you know, that's when I went and found that batting cage. I said, Hey, I'll buy, I'll, I'll rent this from you. If I can put some dumbbells back here, you know? And, and same thing. Like when I came back from LA, yeah, I had all of a sudden the allure and the sort of, you know, glitz and grammar of the Lakers gig, but we didn't have a location. We didn't have anything. I mean, I didn't even, until Matt said, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll, let's, <laughs> let's do this together. I didn't have another person to do it with. So, you know, it, it just, if you believe it's going to work, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. You know, we, we found this location in Salem and we walked in here and um, we started doing good work with the very first person that would pay us to do it. And, and then it became two people and three people. And, you know, hey, it's a good lesson because that's why I don't I didn't you know, it's stressful during this pandemic to run a business. But it's why I never worried, because I already knew I've, I've started it from scratch two other times already. Why, can't, why wouldn't we be able to start this thing back up from scratch to a pandemic? We'll be able to. It will suck. It, it may be hard. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, you know, versus, you know, complain and, and say this is hard and I shouldn't have to go through this and all this other stuff. It's like, no, nah, I mean, we already did it twice. Why, why, why wouldn't we be able to do it three times? Machine. No, it, you know, that mentality is everything. Yeah. I've talked to a bunch of people. It's, it's all about your mentality. I mean, you have a much better, I mean, your mentality is like, let's go. Yeah. Um, where others would be like, uh, you know. Right. Hey, this is the situation I'm in. Like, what else can I do? Um, right. So in that you've grown, I mean, obviously it's grown massively and the location itself, you guys changed a lot of things around. I love the color scheme. I love everything. And you've yeah. grown well. And then like, it's, it's just incredible to see. So now for people tuning in, cause we get some more clientele out of this. What, what do you guys do at TD Athlete Judge? Give me like a really good uh, synopsis of everything. <clears throat> right. I, so I, here's the problem. The problem in, 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 the, in the, the gap in the market, let's call it is, everybody's been down this path of, Oh, I got a nagging injury or I don't see results at the gym or both. And, and, and you go to a physical therapist and they do ice and they do rub you down. And they say, yeah, try this little, little band exercise and go home and do it 10 times a day. And then, you know, tell me how it feels. And you're like, yeah, I did that. It didn't really help. You know, the other problem is I go to the gym. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I do the same thing for three straight years because I don't know how to do anything different. I, I, I look the same. I feel the same. I, I'd like to actually see some results, but Hey, at least I'm out here doing it. And you're like, it's frustrating, but, and then those two things come together where you're like, yeah. And then I kept doing the same routine by myself without, you know, guidance and my shoulders started bothering me. Now my knees bother me. I don't know how to, you know, what am I supposed to do? So I got to, and you're on this vicious cycle. You, you go to a PT, they put a hot pack on your knee and you're like, yeah, that didn't really help, you know? And so the way we look at it is doesn't have to be that way. First of all, let's do an assessment. 
who's doing assessment? When you sign up at a gym, are you, you get an assessment? No, you, you, you're just going in there, you're winging it. So how do you know you're even supposed to be doing this thing or that thing or the other thing, or it's good for you or not good for you? How do you know what your goals are? I mean, is somebody asking you that? Are you asking yourself that? Are you writing it down? You know, do an assessment. And so we start with an assessment. Um, everybody that trains with us gets that assessment. And then you get an individualized program. That's, if you walk through our space at any given time, you, you see exercises being done that look very much like what people consider to be rehab. You also see exercises being done that are more performance type things and everything in between. Because to us, there is no rehab happens over here and training happens over here. It's all one language. We just help you find your starting point and progress at the pace and the way that you should be doing it the right way. And every step of the way, we're taking into account and have you know this really rich background and understanding of, okay, nobody's walking around with a brand new car off the lot. Nobody just feels awesome all day, every day for their whole life. So at some point you get a nagging shoulder. At some point your back goes out. At some point, you know, all this stuff happens. So what do we need to do to put you in a position where that stuff's being addressed and, um, you know, giving you the right exercises and empowering you to get strong the right way and stay strong in a really sustainable way. We've all done it, right? We've all done, whether it's a diet or a workout, it's like, look, it's, it's 30 days, it's hardcore, it's crazy. I'm going to go nuts and I'm going to, I'm going to change my life. And, that's all well and good. You might even often see results with that, but can you sustain that for life? No, nobody can. And so our goal is to do that in a way that makes it progressive. It makes it, um, it takes into account your, your goals. It takes into account your injury history. It takes into account us gives us a chance to be a guide for you to finally get those results, whether it's body composition goals or it's, it's performance goals. You know, I don't care if you're looking to jump higher on a basketball court or if you're looking to, you know, feel better when you pick up your groceries or if you're looking to lose 10 pounds, whatever it is, those are the goals that we're going to direct you toward. So that's, that's what we do. And, and, you know, I think people really love the fact that it's a, it's an individualized experience. Um, but in a way, that is, this is another piece to our model that's unique. You don't need to pay a personal trainer 125 bucks an hour to hold a clipboard. You don't need to. I mean, you might feel like you do because otherwise you don't know what you're doing. But in our model, we're 45 to $55 a session, session and you're still getting an individualized program written for you. And we're coaching you not as an individual, we're coaching you as a team. So we don't have to charge you 125 bucks a session. You know, we can charge you $40, $55 a session and still get you the individualized programming you need, individualized, um, you know, uh, uh, coaching that you need and, and help you every step of the way. And also, by the way, empower you to take ownership of the process. That's what doesn't happen in traditional, um, you know, physical therapy or uh, personal training settings is you're a slave to that, you know, one trainer or that one, that clipboard or whatever. Like, no, we want to teach you. This is, this is how you take ownership of the process. So, you know, I, I think it's, to, to me, it's like, hey, how much is it worth to you to finally get, you know, a grip on the reins and take control of what your goals are when you go to the gym? It's, it's, not, it's not about, you could pay anyone, anyone could make a program for you that makes you feel the burn, makes you burn the calories and makes you break a sweat. Anybody could do that. My four-year-old daughter could put together a thing that makes you, <laughs> makes you run around like a chicken with your head cut off that, that you feel tired after. But 
it's a skill, you know, to really help you address those specific nagging injuries, to really help you address your specific um, goals and, and, and the results you're striving for to do it in a way that's sustainable. And that's what our staff is, is that's our superpower. And so during COVID, I know you guys have adopted to the, you know, online classes. So let's say I live in LA. Yeah. I don't I live in Medford. Um, what can you do for me? Right. So we <clears throat> developed um, Edge Now is a, is a platform that, yeah, if you're in LA, you're popping in and we run live sessions every day. We have several live sessions, different themes. Um, I teach a class Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday called Hips and Core from the Floor. And we literally don't get off the floor, but we're working hip mobility. We're building up your low back to be strong and we're blasting your core in 30 minutes. You know, you're in, you're out, but you're, you're really targeted on those things. Um, so you could jump into those classes live, but hey, if you're in LA, the you know, 7 p.m., you know, time on, on weekdays or the 10 a.m., you know, spot. You might not want to wake up at 7, at, you know, at that time out there. So, like, it's – if you're in L.A., um, you're going to pop in as an Edge Now member and you're going to go do the, the archived class. And, and um, you know, the other part is with that is, look, Peloton's uh, – you know, they're, they're, they're on fire, right? They're, they, they, do, they do a great product. But um, we're telling a story with our programs. From one class to the next, this is not a random, let's, let's, let's just burn a calorie and break a sweat. You know, this is, we're telling, hey, guys, last, last week we worked on this move. We're going to tell, tell the story in the next chapter. We're going to build the move a little bit, you know, to the next level. Here we go. And, you know, we're, we're giving variations in these classes. Look, entry level, intermediate, advanced level. You pick one based on what feels right for you. It's not a one size fits all. It's we've got three sizes, pick the size that fits best for you. And so I'm really excited about those classes. People have loved them, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's 39 bucks a month. You have access it's to all cheap. these live classes and all the archive classes, you know, former strength coach of the Lakers overseeing the system of, of what our stuff is, you know, being put out there as well as a doctor of physical therapy. How many, you know, Peloton classes are being taught by a doctor of physical therapy, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just none saying. None that I know of. None that I know. I, I don't either. I don't either. None, none but, have uh, Kobe's number. Let's be realistic yeah, about that exactly. one. Exactly. But um, um, no, it, it's um, so yeah. That's been so. Look, my mission is really simple. I want to impact as many people as possible in the highest quality way to help them be stronger, be empowered, and be healthier as I can. And that's why I left the Lakers because I could only impact 15 rostered basketball players. That was that was not satisfying me. So something like Edge Now, you know, something like what we're doing in-house in our facility that we could get up, you know, we, we, we have usually around 150 members. That's amazing to me that we can impact that many people. Now, something like Edge Now, we could get anyone from anywhere, you know, through that. And we have a custom coaching online experience, which is very, very high touch, you know, really one-on-one -on -one online training. Um, you, you have one of our coaches on met, uh, as, uh, on an app at all times to you know, get form checks, ask, ask questions, that kind of thing. You're getting a personalized program, videos for every exercise instructed by our team. Um, really high touch stuff. So it's, it's uh, you know, that's the thing about COVID is it, it presented an opportunity for us to innovate in ways that, you know, yes, it was challenging and it has been and it is still, but it also out of, you know, necessity, you get innovation. I love it. No, I'm, I'm so excited to see what you guys are doing and just the growth of it over time. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, what's next? Yeah. Um, I might as well get into the meat of things. This is the hot seat. Let's question. go. Let's go. Right. 
boom, I'm going to do a rapid fire on you. Hot or cold showers? Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll take a cold. I'll take a cold here and there, though. Perfect. What's the last song you listened to? Man. Um, you know what? 94.5. I'm, I'm going to have to turn off a 94.5 because all I hear is, is Nicki Minaj on there. But uh, that, that's probably, yeah, every time I get my car, she's, she's on there with one of her new ones. And uh, I like her and everything, but geez, I, I, I'm, I'm out on it. It's a lot. Probably something by, what I, what I listen to by choice, something Mumford and Sons. Oh, I love them. Uh, are you a fan of Nickelback? I'm out. <laughs> such a, such a, everybody, it's so funny to see yeah. on that. Uh, yeah. Favorite movie? Um, okay. It's a toss up dead tie. Um, you've got three movies that I cannot rank in, in, in a number one, two, three order. Number one, though, we'll just call it number one, Rudy. Okay. Number two, stand by me. Number three, Goonies. Ooh, Corey Feldman, two of the three. I love Corey. The the, the Corey's the eighties. I have all that movies. Absolutely. Um, favorite athlete. Ooh. Bo Jackson. Oh my God. Champ. Uh, your last meal. You're saying the last meal I had to. Last, like, yeah. Last thing. What's, what's, what's the last thing I ate? Yes. Or, or not, you're not saying what am I, what is my meal for my, what, what I want. For yeah. My I'm last sorry. Meal. Sorry. I guess your last legitimate what, meal. What would I want for my last meal? You're saying, Oh no, you're saying, what did I just, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What all was right, your physical? All right, all right. All right. I got you. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So I have a tendency to, I, I do a little bit of, Sometimes by design, sometimes not by design. I, I can get so focused on stuff. I can realize that I didn't eat for a long time. And I also operate a little better on an empty stomach. So um, I ate last. Last night, I had a absolutely phenomenal double kale salad with caramelized onions, uh, seared prosciutto, and uh, Parmesan with not a lot, but a little bit of pesto ziti on top. Yeah, just stop. And uh, that's, stop. that's, you know, that was my wife whipped that one up. She nailed it. Well, it uh, Wednesday little, night. Well, exactly. Standard ops. Standard ops. Awesome. Um, your favorite local business? I mean, it could be food. I think we're both aiming for one place that's locally. Oh, man. It's, uh, all right. So local business, if we're talking – if we're talking Salem local business here, um, this is tough because there's some phenomenal places in, in Salem. You've got, so for me, Ledger Restaurant is ridiculous. Uh, Kokeshi is, a, is underrated, underrated. It's a gem. Kokeshi, it's like a Japanese, um, it's like a Japanese, fusion type scenario with a little bit of um korean japanese korean fusion ridiculous so you gotta gotta get it gotta get to kokeshi but ledger's ledger's brunch is untouchable so those are all the questions and then i guess i have a couple more questions Uh, so you know what's the your biggest failure and what did you learn from it who um yeah, I mean, I think for me, the biggest failure 
Um, probably. Hmm. You know, I, I think, I think for me, I, I, I look at, um, the first three years I was the head strength coach with the Lakers, the first three years I was, you know, we're, we're years three and four, like first two years that was, um, you know, running TD out the edge here in this version of things. And I don't know that there's one like particular failure there in the Lakers scenario. I, my failure was that I didn't have the wherewithal, as I was saying earlier, to put up, um, you know, kind of put up a boundary of saying like, no, I'm not going to focus so much on helping players with nutrition because my main job, you know, not, not, you know, my main job is, is strength and conditioning. And then just, you know, I think, um, you know, as a, as in the leadership position that I have with TD Edge, being able to, being able to um, say no and, and also, you know, hold, hold people accountable uh, while holding, you know, myself accountable. So I think just, just sort of, this is broad stroke, but you know, I just think it's, it's hard. My personality, you know, wanting to kind of keep everything even keel most of the time, keep people, keep people happy. It's hard to say no for me sometimes. So I think just learning that and how, um, you know, as a leader, it's not necessarily about, all the other things as far as people in a, in a position or in a, in a, you know, an organization like, like ours, which is pretty small or big, they just want to be able to feel like they're contributing to something that is a greater vision. So what do they feel like they bring to the table that is helping this move this rock up the mountain? And yeah, just, just, uh, as a, I was a rookie. I mean, as a rookie, as a strength coach in the Lakers, I was a rookie when I started a business. And so those rookie mistakes. Perfect. Uh, who's the most influential person to you? I would say, I would say my, my mom and my dad, you know, I think the, what they instilled in me in terms of um, looking at the bright side while, while being willing to work your face off. I mean, I think that's the simplest way I can I say sort of mm -hmm. what they instilled in me. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's probably it. Last but not least, you know, what are you excited about now with the future of TD Athletes Edge and where it's going? Like, where's your. I, I'm, I'm just so excited about the ability for us to, this is what I've tasked our team with is, you know, we have an opportunity to, you know, a lot of, a lot of organizations and businesses are not going to be able to live to tell about the, you know, things after through the pandemic. And, and it's, it's sad, but we, we have an opportunity to do that. And I think, like I was saying earlier, I take a lot of pride in the fact that iteration number one of T athletes edge from scratch iteration number two, we had to start it out from scratch again. And Hey, we had a third iteration that we had to create with a lot of differences and a lot of unique changes in it that were forced upon us by COVID. And I'm, I'm just excited because we get this chance to, um, you know, just start it back up from nothing again. I mean, essentially during the shutdown, it's like, yeah, we were doing online training and everything, but you know, our in-person operation and everything that sort of fuels our fire was, was down to nothing. And, you know, it, it's such a cool opportunity to be able to do that from scratch. I think the other thing is, you know, look, being able to do 
the stuff we now have in front of us as far as those things I talked about earlier, the, the live streaming classes and, and, and stuff like that, being able to reach so many more people, if, if we can solve, you know, sort of figure out that puzzle and do it in a way that people so far they are, but you know, that people really enjoy. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, pretty exciting to be able to do that. Well, Tim, listen, I appreciate everything. We appreciate your time right now. Really excited to see TD Athlete Jets grow. And um, I'll put the link in the description to sign up. Obviously, I'll tag Tim. Get to know more about him and, and his team. And Tim, thank you again. Really, really appreciate it. Man, my, my pleasure. Absolute my pleasure. Anybody listening, at TD, at TD Athlete's Edge on Instagram, you DM me, I'll get back to you. Perfect. He will, though. He's a beast. He does every single time I write something. He's just boom, a few seconds later. So definitely check them out. Uh, amazing, amazing company. And uh, really excited about the future and, and, and see where it's headed. Thank you again. I appreciate it, Hot Sox. Thank you. Out. All right, big dog.